you combine self-awareness and introspection with great emotional strength and endurance. You are highly intuitive and creative and add a personal human touch to whatever you are involved with. You treat others with gentleness, tact, and discretion. You are wonderfully expressive with an ironic, witty view of life and yourself. You often finding humor in your own foibles and contradictions. You bring a sense of beauty, refinement, and emotional richness into other people's lives. You are profoundly creative, expressing the personal and the universal. You are in touch with the ever-changing nature of reality and are inspired by it. You're able to renew and regenerate yourself again and again, transforming even your most painful experiences into something beautiful and meaningful that others can benefit from as well. You have a deep sense of allowing and you are able to hold even the most painful feelings with compassion and sensitivity. You're the artist, the individualist, the Enneagram Four. Welcome to The Behaviors with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communications, and culture. I'm your host this week, Randy Berridge. Our intention for The Behaviors podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift towards meaningful achievement and joy. We're grateful to have our exceptional friends at Enneagram 4s with us, Christy Slotauer, Director of Client Experience at Work Wisdom, Aaron Spangler, Communications Manager at Lancaster County Community Foundation, and Deanna Wright, Director for Community Conversations at York College's Center for Community Engagement. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Before we get into the interview, let me tell you a little bit more about the Enneagram and Type 4s. The Enneagram is an ancient system that offers insights into the nine different ways in which people feel, think, and behave. These nine types are defined by a particular core belief and how the world works, this core belief drives a person's deepest motivations and fears, shaping their perspective and worldview. The Enneagram can help us not only understand ourselves better, but those around us. The Enneagram type four is known as the individualist or the artist. They are the rarest types in the Enneagram, which they love. Type four's motivations exemplifies the desire to be ourselves, to be known for who we are and to know the depths of our hearts. Of all types, fours are the most aware of their emotional states. They notice when they feel upset, anxious, or attracted to another person. They pay attention to their different changing emotions and try to determine what their feelings are telling them about themselves, others, and their world. Healthy fours, exquisite attunement to their inner state enables them to discover deep depths about human nature, to be compassionate witnesses to the suffering of others, or to be profoundly honest with themselves about their own motives. When less healthy, they can become lost in their feelings, preoccupied with emotional reactions, memories, fantasies, both negative and positive. Above all, fours want to distinguish themselves from others. They want to feel that their tastes, their self-expression, their emotional depths are unique. Thus, they tend to emphasize all the ways in which they are unlike other people, especially sometimes their own family. They deeply want to know who they are and that who they are is special in some way. Being complimented or told that, told that they are loved is nice, of course, but what fours really want is for others to recognize and appreciate the pattern of qualities that is unique to them, that they are not generic. So after that intro, um, to get to know our guests, I wanted to start off with a question for you all of, how did you come to learn your type? What was the thing about the Enneagram for the individualist artist that, that kind of hit so close to home with you? Um, Diana, any thoughts on this? Sure. 
Um, so I came to learn about the Enneagram actually through my last job uh, working for communities and schools. It was just a professional development that they had set up for leadership. Um, and so as somebody who managed people, they told me to do it. I'd always been familiar with typology. It's always been something I've been drawn to, but hadn't really been too familiar with the Enneagram until I um, had taken the test that maybe, I don't know, last year sometime. Um, so when I took it and then I did my debrief um, to kind of review it, it really just pretty much hit on the head. And as you were saying, I really liked the individualistic nature because growing up, you always felt, well, I always felt different, but in a bad way. Like, why doesn't anybody want to hang out with me in this doom and gloom way, right? But as you kind of started to learn more about it and the unique attributes of it, I think that's what really stood out to me was just the immense feeling and that kind of coincided with it and using the tragedy and the trauma to propel you into good things like and being a giver. So I really liked the nuance of it all. Aaron, how about you? How did you come to discover the Enneagram and what made it kind of hit so close to home? Yeah, I actually had a really similar trajectory as, as Diana. Um, I, so I was type, I, I did the type, uh, the, sorry, the test through um, work wisdom. And then in my debrief, I was actually showing up a lot as a, as a six and a, um, and a two. I had like kind of waffling between a lot of different types. Um, and so I was under the impression I was a two going into it and then it looked like a lot like I was a six. And as I was talking with Kimberly, she was like, I think you might actually be a four uh, because fours can show up as sixes a lot. Um, and then as soon as she started kind of going through those attributes, um, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, especially, you know, kind of like what Deanna was talking about. The the inferiority complex, I think, is like a huge, like that was a big like veil moment where I was just like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's how I operate a lot. Um, this kind of feeling of inadequacy that, can be at the source of a lot of things, but there is also a lot of that really um, extraordinary uh, creativity and authenticity that comes from being able to sit with that feeling, all those deep feelings, all those like depressing feelings that a lot of people shy away from is kind of fuel for me in good ways and bad ways, but it can generate a lot of, a lot of uh, good stuff from it. That's great. Reading back now on that, Aaron, do you find that reading through the six or the two that it, uh, you find at this point, you're like, ah, oh, what was I even thinking? Like, you know, or, or does it, does it seem like it still holds the same weight or what kind of was that process of transitioning from like, ah, actually this is kind of like what I've been feeling. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, there's like, there's always like a little bit of nature versus nurture with a lot of that stuff, but, um, you know, I think I, st I still have all of those attributes. I even have a good amount of three in me too. Like I thought I was a little bit of a three too. I, I'm like that shame triad. I just personify that entire shame thing. Um, but yeah, six, I still definitely resonate with six, but it, it I think it's more of a, a wing variant than like, I mean, reading through all of the personality traits, it's like four is definitely my home, my home space. It's great. Yeah. I mean, and as a, as a type three with a four wing, I'm very much in the shame triad with you also. <laughs> We're in good company here. Christy, what about you? You're relatively new to the Enneagram as well, correct? Yeah, I just took an assessment a few months ago. So all of this language is new to me, but it's fun because around every corner, there's a new thing that I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely true. Um, taking the Enneagram and then realizing that my motivation is to be an individual 
it made a lot of decisions that I've made in my life make sense to me where like I've made a choice that wasn't overtly like the the easiest or best path, but it's like, oh, I definitely chose that just to be different. <laughs> so it, I feel like in hindsight, a lot of my life decisions made more sense after getting to know the Enneagram. That's great. With this being so new for you, has learning about your type, has this changed over the past couple of weeks, your perspective uh, of yourself much? Uh, is that given or just new language or, or what has that looked like for you the past few weeks? Yeah, I feel like it's taken a lot of the anxiety away or like I used to give a lot of thought to why, why, why is this happening? And now I'm like, oh, this is happening because I deeply feel things. And that's just what it is versus getting stuck in the additional thought process of why am I feeling so deeply or why am I compelled to stand out? Um, I, I feel like I've gotten some brain space back. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, Diana, for you, how, when you originally went through this, how did this change your perspective of yourself, whether that was at, you know, at work or just how you interact with others? Oh, good question. Um, I think kind of two things, I guess. For work, it helped me, I think, try to be a little bit more harsh with myself. I tend to be like a pleaser and always trying to do what's going to help other people. And, you know, so being able, I think, to see the areas of growth of like, what can you do a little bit better? It really helped me to, I think, be able to still learn that you can have the duality of like, I can be a good boss. I can be somebody you can lean into. I can be consistent, but I can also be accountable. I can like ask you for these things. I can say no. <laughs> That's the big thing, right? Because we tend to go into things that mean something, which whether it's nonprofit or like giving back. And so we get enveloped in this thing where you can't really say no, you feel that way because it's such high stakes. So I think for me, it's helped me to learn. I mean, I still don't do it that often. I still need to learn how to say no, but it at least gives me some grace and, and things to like work to and aspire toward. For my personal life, I don't know that I've seen it like a direct correlation of, okay, I know I'm this Enneagram. So but it helped me to continue to live my life more fully. So like, I know art, art, art really is a huge part of it. And I got away from it for a really long time. Drawing poetry, writing music. I was like, why am I so depressed? Why am I so sad? And then I was like, oh, I've gotten away from anything that actually sparks joy, right? So I think that it's been helpful for me to remember that it's okay to be a big kid at heart. You can do this serious thing and have this job, but you can also like, dance barefoot in the rain and feel better about it. So I think that it's really helped me kind of stay grounded in that way. Mm, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Just understanding the, you know, the, what you're making time for in your life. And if you're not making time for those things that are so intrinsic to, to who you may be as a person that I'm sure that can be uh, challenging and lead to some of those feelings. Aaron, on your end, how has learning about um, your type or finally coming to the verification that yeah, type four is who I am. How has that changed your perspective of yourself at, at work and, and with others you interact with? Um, yeah, I think it's been, I mean, I, I would kind of echo some of the things that Deanna was saying about um, feeling drawn in and, and, and uh, not being able to draw lines between work and obligations that you have and, and obligations to people because you are feeling all this stuff so deeply that like that's I think honestly that's why I was showing up as a two so often is because like 
a lot of the work that I do is is about you know about emotionally investing in others and emotionally investing in uh, the community, and it's been difficult always to separate myself from that stuff. Um, and I think that when you know learning more about being a four has been helpful because um, it's it's been clarifying to know that like the ways that I show up and um, I don't know I I have I have a desire to connect with people um, on a on a deeper level than I mean I hate small talk I will never like if I never have to do small talk again it'll be the the best day of my life but um, you know. It, it, connecting with people on a deep emotional level and, and, and creating real empathy with them is something that really fuels me, even though I'm a pretty hardcore introvert, um, and being able to, you know, there's something that Kimberly had said, something where like fours are the only type that can sit in discomfort and like be fine with it and not be like, uh, have the innate, have the innate desire to fix it. Um, which I think is like a really important attribute and something that I definitely bring to my work and something that once I heard that said to me, I was like, Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense for like why I feel weird most of the time when everyone else is like, I'm not feeling weird when everyone else is like running from situations. I'm like, give me more of that um, because I want to like show up and I want to be there and I want to be able to like be help others in that way. Um, but also knowing that it has limits, right? Like knowing that like not everyone else is like that um, is, is something that I've, I've definitely like, again, once I've had language around what forness is, um, it's made it easier for me to feel because I get the good I get the good vibrations of like oh I'm different from everyone but also like oh I'm different from everyone so like you need to like be aware of that also. Yeah, that's great. One of the things you had just mentioned was how you kind of like to go deep with with others and especially within your role. That's a bit natural to you where you can sit there. And I was just as you were speaking, reflecting on how each of you, you know, Aaron, your communications manager. Diana, you're a you do community conversations. Christy, you do client experience. So all of you in your roles are like very external facing, you know, with individuals. How and I'm just wondering, like, were you were you all drawn to a position like that? And or and does it, it what are the challenges that you kind of see there being in that role where you're having to engage with so many external people and you have probably have a significant amount of feelings and thoughts and these things weigh heavy on you of those interactions you do have any any kind of immediate thoughts to that well i definitely think that being an enneagram for informs the questions i ask about like what is client experience and wanting to approach it in a way that others aren't and like that's definitely the filter like okay, how can I engage with this client by having a conversation and asking questions that maybe they haven't been asked before or, you know, having the experience itself be unique. And I wonder if I would have that mindset without being an Enneagram for, or if that comes from, from that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would definitely upvote that. Like, I, I feel like it, it kind of, um, I have an innate desire and innate need to cut the BS, <laughs> but not, not in a, not in a blunt direct way, but in like a, I'm not going to bore you with like the stuff you've heard a million times before that we're just kind of going through the motions to, to get to where we really need to get to. It's like, I'm, I'm interested in like, hopefully being refreshing in the sense that like, I actually care and I, we don't need to go through the song and dance. I want to show you, I care right away. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, I guess for me, um, 
my position's unique in that um, one thing about me is I love words. I'm really introverted, but I love to, like I'm a collector, right? So I collect things. It could be paper from five years ago, or it could be words. Like I love to collect words. So I love language. I love talking. I think it's really powerful. So being able to communicate in a boardroom, but then also turning back to like people I grew up with or in things that I experienced being able to connect in that way, right? So like, I think that language is so important and so powerful and that the words that we use verbal or non-verbally really have immense impact, right? And so for me growing up through a lot of uh, all, the, all the aces, right? Like, you know, been through all the things. And so with that though, using it to really propel me to being like, okay, I know that I have these unique attributes because I've lived this, but then I've also overcome it in such a way that I can now use what I'm doing and use it in a more robust, long lasting way. So I think sometimes when you're so tapped into what you're doing and you're passionate about it, sometimes you you could be anxious or feeling all types of things, but people don't really know. Like after I'll present sometimes, people are like, oh my gosh, I was, like, I was so nervous. You would have never known. I was like, well, I'm going to go throw up now because I'm actually very anxious about this all. So my role I find is really focused on through these conversations, being intentional to talk to people living in um, disenfranchisement and then using that, right, to like bring in data, bring in solution space. So as long as I can tap into other areas of my brain and it's not just outward facing all the time in a superficial way, I find that it's a little easier for me to kind of do away with the introvertedness or the anxiety because I'm so fueled by what I do. So without that, I don't think that I would be able to be as like outward facing. That was a really long explanation. That was great. Yeah. No, thank you so much. That was, that was great insight. What would you all say that you absolutely love about being a four? There's a, a lot of times we're drawn to the the negatives the first time we kind of read through our report or discover kind of who or what we are um, and don't spend as much time. But what do you absolutely love about being a four? Christy, any thoughts there? Yeah, I I definitely love being able to sit in the darker spaces that a lot of people run from. And I think that that's a necessity to fulfill the desire to be unique in that I think that fours have an ability to find solutions that others can't find because they're not willing to go to the dark places or maybe not able to go to the dark places. Um, and so that's always like a really rewarding experience to be able to sit in a dark space and um, be aware of what's going on internally and externally in that space and then to channel creativity and express that to others in a way that it's usually met with gratitude like thank thank you for sitting in that space and communicating this because we felt it too but we couldn't go to that space to feel it like being able to then offer that back to the collective um i really i love that experience from yeah. start to finish that's such a such a great superpower of the four Aaron, what do you love most about being a four? Man, I don't know if I can build on that very well. That was that was pretty pretty much it. I mean, I think um, I, I wrestle a lot with like the balance of uh, the positive and the negative, where I have you know a lot of innate, a lot of innate inferiority, um, where I always kind of feel like the last idea that I had is 
my last idea. Like, 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 a, like a really good idea I had was like, well, that was it. That was the last one, I guess, because I don't feel one right now. So I guess that's probably, you know, I'm about to get found out um, that I'm all tapped out, and that, that was just a, the other ones were just a fluke anyway. So, um, <clears throat> but but it, it never is my last idea, which is which is what's really um, I I love about my foreigners is the you know like uh, Christy was saying like the ability to find connection between disparate things or find think in metaphors think in uh, similes and and um, other ways of connecting disparate pieces of information or connections um, is something that is really fueling and and it's a it's a nerving that never dies which is great even though it feels like it's dead right after you like completed that thought you're just like oh that was a lot and then it's like but it just takes it's just recharging it's not gone even though it feels like in the in between spaces um and so it's you just never quite know what you're gonna um what you're gonna think of or come up with or or articulate but um it's always something that seems to be um something that other people weren't thinking about which is exciting mm -hmm. yeah very much so and I'd, I'd assume that there's such an overlap there of, you know, the blend of personal and professional life and kind of like I was, I was thinking, as you were saying, you know, the, the last idea I'll ever have, I'm sure that it, I mean, I know it is such a common thing for artists, musicians, you know, authors that they, they're, they're always scared that this is, you know, this is, that was that one book they had, it was a fluke, it did well and, you know, never again, or, you know, that's it wrote one great song, got big and, you know, how do, how do they, how do they build on that? What if it never comes back? And uh, it seems like kind of some of the artist dilemma. Um, Diana, what about you? What do you love most about being a four? I think what I, is so cool is that sometimes I feel like my being a four like, helps me tap into my third eye. <laughs> like I know that's super, but I just feel like sometimes I don't have to, people don't have to say anything or I can just walk into and I'm very susceptible to like energy and the cosmos. And so I really like, I think how open it allows you to tap into different parts of your mind that you don't really know exist or that you don't really tap into. So being able to get information and deductively reason, and then you get something, you're like, we could do, shoom, 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 shoom. and they're like, whoa, how did that even, or you can take a number and translate it to, whoa, I see a gap in this, we should do a research study on this, so I think being able to be unique in your problem solving, um, but using that susceptibility to the energy to then, and the pain that people experience, I think, to be solutions-based, like to have a bias towards action um, is something that I think is really, really cool. Mm, that's great. Christina and I saw you both nodding hard as <laughs> Diana was speaking. Is that something that resonates with you both as well? Yeah, definitely. That's great. And also what Aaron said about the ideas, like it's always amazing to me how one day I can just be like really cranking, like in a creative flow and the next day feel like, yeah, I will never have access to that again. <laughs> like <laughs> cool that it happened once, but clearly like, the, the roller coaster, I don't know if that ever goes away, but it's, and I think for people in my life surrounding me, like friends and family, that can also be really startling to be like, well, yesterday we saw you just like on fire and today you're, you know, just ashes on the floor. Like what happened? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. You're going to say something, Aaron? Yeah. Well, I mean, just, just, yeah, just um, totally 
in agreement with that. And also like what Deanna was saying about, um, I mean, I, th I think there's something to the fact that I feel like fours are, and, and I think fives have this ability too, because they're kind of investigative, but um, fours are really good at, really good at, uh, really good studies of humanity in general. Like they're, we're able to read people pretty well in the things that we may, they may or may not be telling us or may or may not be articulating to us with words. It could be with emotions, it could be with eyes, it could be with physical tells, but like uh, being able to understand the connections between humans um, in space, I think is, you know, people like, it can be startling for people, but it's really, it's just like, we're just listening in, in lots of different ways at all the time, all the time, um, which is something that like, Again, like it, it can get it can get us into trouble because like we we don't. I mean, I've been in a situation where it's like I I know things about a lot of different people in a situation where like they felt comfortable telling me things because we've been able to build a connection, and then you're at the intersection of a lot of things um, that you may or may not want to be in. But like at the at the end of the day, on aggregate, like it's it. I would much rather be the person that people can see and trust and connect with than be someone who's so oblivious that they bulldoze people eights. <clears throat> um, <laughs> That's great. One thing you all kind of mentioned there and we're hitting on is, you know, that kind of the roller coaster you can feel within a day, a week of, of some of those ideas and, and that uniqueness that you do bring to almost every situation, every project and, and the room. What do you do when, when you are in that kind of that roller coaster, maybe that low part of the roller coaster, has, has there been any <laughs> tactics or things that you've, you've kind of implemented over, over getting to know yourself of like, when you're in that state, you know, is that you're, you just, a, is it an acceptance at this point? Are you, you out of ideas <laughs> on like, you know, how, how to resolve that? Or have you, have you figured out any good ways, you know, for yourselves and, you know, just other fours on like, you know, here, here's how I react to that type of situation. Any thoughts on that? therapy <laughs> i mean definitely therapy in general everyone should be going to therapy but that's so true lots of therapy and i do like just that having that time built in also knowing that there's a therapy session coming also just helps like even if today is rough but i'm not seeing my therapist until friday like okay i can start journaling and processing that because i know there's like that checkpoint that has just really helped me <laughs> Yeah, and I've been really working on the way I speak to myself because um, I'm always thinking. My mind is always going. Like, yeah, that's why I'm always bumping into stuff because I always have things. I, I bet you type fours, we just have bruises everywhere. She's like, oh, sorry, there's a wall there. Um, <laughs> so I think for me too, the way I talk to myself and it's so like when I have a day, okay, well today I'm not feeling very inspired, but I do know I can send out these calendar invites. I know that I can do these tangible things that I can check things off. So sometimes I'll write something on, on my list just so I can like cross it off. Even if I had already done it, it's very gratifying. You should try it. Um, but so I think just in thinking of it from a workplace, right? Because when we're in there and we're not inspired, like it's very easy to just, for me to just sit and like stare out the window four hours later and just kind of get into that. So I've been trying to, from a work setting, being able to kind of set some action items that aren't so heavy. Um, and then a personal, on a personal avenue, just kind of, I think, trying to be more vulnerable and open. So I find that I'm really good at talking to people or listening to people. People want to tell me things pretty quick after I meet them. I'm like, 
why are you trusting me with this? It's great. Thank you for trusting me. But like, all right. But I don't do as good with sharing information and like being vulnerable. I'm all for vulnerability till I have to like be vulnerable. So I think just working on kind of massaging some of those relationships that I have to allow myself to kind of say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And it's tough, but like slowly getting there, I think has been, and, and therapy. I, I agree. I would definitely say just just to add on quick, um, like what Deanna was saying that like, I, I think we we struggle a lot. Um, we as fours, but I think we as humans often struggle a lot with like deliver the the deliverability of work environment versus how humans actually operate, and the constant drive to feel like you're productive, even though if staring out the window for hours helps clear your mind and refocus you, then that's what like you should be doing. But like, we're still, we still feel the pressure to like, well, you need to have done something today. So like, I think like finding that balance of like, yeah, having low, low level, like things to be able to check off your list, things that you're like still doing, but like also being compassionate with yourself. And I'm saying this more to tell myself this because I never allow myself to be compassionate to myself, but um, yeah, allow yourself to like, one, do you need to do in that moment? And two, when things like creativity does strike, because it will come again, even if you're thinking that it won't, like just listen to when it happens, even if it's, you know, at a fairly inconvenient time. Like I've, I've definitely had times when I've like stopped what I was doing that I should have been working on and did this because like I was afraid that I would lose it if I didn't actually work on it. So yeah, it's a, it's a hard balance. And the only other thing I'll add really quick, piggybacking on that is to take a second to like sit with that happy feeling or like the accomplishment or the achievement, whatever it is, because sometimes I find I can get something done. I'm like, all right, cool. What's next? And you don't even really take a second because we're not, we're very humble people. So I think to be able to just say, wow, that was, that was really cool. And just take a minute to like sit with it and be still. I think I find sometimes that that's really affirming, especially when you're doing deep work that's meaningful to you. That's great. Yeah, those, those are both really great points. And I wonder, you know, Aaron, kind of along the lines of what you were saying, how do these things fit into what we ascribe as like work culture and like, you know, and having to get things done and check things off. And especially when every project, I believe in some regard, can have creativity to it. And this kind of unique perspective of you know, the way that our work lives are set up, there usually are these like kind of boundaries that can halt <laughs> some of those ideas from happening because you need to move on to something else or, you know, it's, you know, the end of the day or it's the end of the week. And um, I'm sure that is like such an occasional scary position to be in when you're having that also competing interfere of like, what if this idea doesn't come back? What if I don't, what if I can't get back on this train, you know, tomorrow morning, just because that's when work starts again. Um, so that must be a kind of a very challenging thing to navigate um, when you're worried about, you know, when, when you'll be able to hop back on the train of, of that creativity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm speaking from an immensely privileged position of being, um, in a job that is accommodating to lots of personality types and work styles. And, um, and I know that that's like something that a lot of folks don't have. Um, and it's also been like the pandemic has been a very, very strange, um, thing for fours. I'd imagine for, for just about everybody, but like as someone who, whose work is very tied up with their personality, um, 
and is fueling in ways and fueling in not in, in other ways. Um, having no boundary between home and work for a year, a year plus at this point with no real end on site has been uh, kind of it's been pretty weird and rough in a lot of ways. So there's no actual. In some ways, it's been great because I can jump into it whenever I need to. Uh, but also, it's been like I. Like Deanna was saying, like personal creativity has been has taken a real dive. Like it, it's been really difficult to feel motivated, and like I can still do some of that stuff. Um, you know, like I'm I'm a musician, like Deanna is, and and it's been yeah, it's been hard. Like my guitar is right here. I'm looking at it all day, and I'm just not really feeling the urge to pick it up um, because it's I'm just often found creatively tapped. I think just emotionally tapped, and therefore creatively tapped. Yeah, that's that's great insight, and I can totally relate to during the pandemic having my guitar sitting next to my desk, hoping that I'll just be <laughs> inspired to pick it up, and it never happened. <laughs> Some days it does, but it's uh, it's definitely a challenge. So along those lines, how whether it's over the past year or just some examples in general, how, how have you as a four expressed your kind of individuality and your creativity at work? What does that look like for you all? And, or, and on the other end, like, what do you wish that you are doing um, that others would kind of notice in, in terms of that individuality? Christy, any thoughts there? Yeah, well, I think something that comes up for me at work and in my relationships is the, the observing and the noticing of different dynamics or ideas or just like the way energy can shift. And I think what I, what I wish people would know, know is that when I offer like verbally, if I, if it's coming out of my mouth that I'm offering this noticing or the observation, that's because like, it's gone through my intuition, my awareness, my like, it's gone through every possible like filter. And then I was like, okay, this definitely needs shared. And sometimes I think things are brushed off because it's like, oh, she just thought of that. And it's like, well, no, this has been like cooking. <laughs> like I probably journaled about this and sketched about this. And like, maybe I sang about it in the car. <laughs> And like now, now I'm sharing this as a gift. Um, so, but that's, that's something that I think I bring with me everywhere, but at work, um, that's something that I really enjoy offering. It's like those noticings, especially in an environment where everyone's trying to get stuff done and onto the next thing. It's, it's usually unique <laughs> to be able to notice things along the way. That's really great. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure for for others from the outside, they they think of, you know, the artist or the individualist and they think you have those like, which you do those things like lightning that you want to share out. But a lot of times that can have gone through so many filters where it's it's not just an on the spot. <laughs> You've been ruminating on this for a while. Um, Diana, what about you? What um, or how do you express your individuality at work? And what do you wish others would notice through that? Yeah. Just jotting this down so I can remember. I also have a bad memory. Okay. Um, so I think my role is unique because it's a new position, right? Like they, my position is a grant funded position through a local person who said, you know, we're giving money into the community. Are we giving it appropriately? And are we making sure that we're asking people what they want? Or are we telling people what we think that they want? So we're going to make this job and we need you to get somebody to go into the community in this very like insular community that you have to gain trust. You have to be able to get in there, right? It's 5.6 square miles York City is. Um, and so you got to be able to connect and have people 
not just like you, but like trust you and know that you're being authentic because you're ultimately through conversation, asking them to share very vulnerable experiences that they've had, right? Like that's the only way that you can extract that information in an authentic, ethical way. So with that, I think what's really cool about me is that I'm a chameleon. So I can really connect with anybody. Like I've been forged in the fire. I've gone to, grew up in predominantly white schools, but you know, I did, I lived in the city and I just, I'm also that half Puerto Rican. So I speak Spanish. So there's like, and then you add on the type four aspect of just being a connector who can just kind of, I think, be responsive to what people need. So I think that's been helpful as I try to create healthy relationships with people in the community. What I wish I could do a little bit better as a type four is like not get in my head so much because I can go to community events. And I'm like, oh, I need to give this person my card because like, I need to talk with them. And then the event will end and I'll just be like, okay, well, gonna go now. Not like run away. I'm like, catch you next week. <laughs> so I think like part of what I wish is that I could kind of be more confident more often, I think, and not always have to scale up to like getting the courage to talk to somebody. Um, I, I find them eventually and I do circle back, but I just wish things would be a lot easier sometimes if I could just take the step and just put myself out there. Um, but it's just not something I've been the most comfortable doing yet. Yeah, no, it's hard. it's really hard to do. I, I think that's a really important point about fours. I wonder if there's a misconception that like we're confident people <laughs> because I definitely like, I guess I want to be an individual, but it, that's competing with this urge to like, please no one look at me. <laughs> like, I just want to make my stuff and like, I want to see that in the world, but like, I don't want anyone to see me. And it's it's a constant battle between those two impulses. Yeah, like you you want you constantly looking for praise and validation, but as soon as you receive it, you don't know what to do with it, and you outright refuse it. Like you play it down, and you're like, I just not, I don't need that. No, it's like no, that's wrong. Let me tell you everything that was wrong about that. Actually, I want to be the person to help create the idea and then hide in the corner. With right. Me. Yep. I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> I want for my it's really insightful and for those who can't see Deanna literally just slid off the screen <laughs> Aaron what about you what do you um how do you express your individuality at work and what do you wish others would notice um so there's I mean there's a couple different ways I think like I I I'm definitely a visual person like I I, I love writing and I love words but um you know I have a lot of tangible skills and, and video and, and design stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm able to like, I'm able to create things in the organization and outside the organization that I think turn people's heads and make people interested and like get people's attention. And I think that's fine, but um, the, I often feel like that's, that's what people think that I do. <laughs> um, and it's like, that doesn't fulfill me in the ways that like real human connection does. Um, and I think that's like maybe something that I wish someone would, others would notice because like Christy was saying, like, um, you know, there's, there are lots and lots of uh, group dynamics and team dynamics in the ways that workplaces operate and being acutely aware of, you know, whether you are literally in Christy's position where you have stewed on something and merited on it and are like finally ready to present that thought, that cohesive thought, and then it's brushed off or being aware of that and seeing that happen to other people in a team um, 
and you know wanting to um, play the role of being able to uplift ideas when you see it by people who you can tell like this they're out of their comfort zone sharing this idea and it's like okay so now it's my job to like make sure that if that's if that idea is brushed off that no we're bringing it back and we're going to hear about it um and making sure that people are feeling valued and like and and not um brushed off because you know exactly how that feels because you're feeling that most of the time um i feel like that's that's kind of the stuff that i like to do at my work that is less noticed i think um and you know i again like to kind of go back to the past year i think like the pandemic has been really interesting because um that's not on a, <laughs> that's not a good word Jesus. it's been more than interesting um but you know it's it's something that i think a lot of people are eager to forget about and move on from and you know whatever the new normal is whatever um and i've often felt over the past year that i've just been like the doom and gloom guy that's like no we need to sit in the corner and cry about this because you know people have people have died our community's been affected we went through a really rough election like our communities feel a lot of things um and there's a there's a tendency i think among a lot of organizations to just want to like be positive and keep moving on but it's like we, we got to be careful not to gaslight people but while doing that like so i i've been kind of the crusader for like deep feelings and feeling all of the weight of the world right now because the world is just it's heavy um and that's we can learn from that it doesn't have to just be wallowing in sadness but like um you know putting effort extra effort into human interaction um and like authenticity in the team i think is something that like I, I've become a little bit known for and maybe a little infamous for in my team, but um, it's something that I definitely wear with pride. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. As fours are typically known as the artists, what artists or musicians, um, et cetera, do you feel inspired by? Anyone want to take a stab at that or anyone come immediately to mind for one of you? I'm Aaron's biggest fan. Yeah. I listen to his songs all the time. <laughs> I was also thinking, is this a dreaded question by you wanting to have the most unique <laughs> answer? Yeah, I'm like kitchen sink. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was that was hard. Like I, yeah, I was like looking through my Spotify history. I was like, I gotta find the right person to say. Yeah, too much pressure. I can't answer that one. <laughs> Gonna have to skip. <laughs> I, I can answer. I, I feel like I found a unique enough answer that I feel comfortable sharing. We'll be the uh, judge of that. Okay. <laughs> but I really love, I might get some pushback on whether or not this is an artist, but I really love stand-up comedians, especially those that who can like go into the dark waters and take everyone with them in a way that we feel safe and then land us back on the dry land after it's all said and done but and especially I think as fours we all love language and just like how we can use words to create experience and I love the economy in stand-up that it's just like it's so tight and clear um but yeah I I love that that's a art I'm gonna call it an art form that's an art form that really resonates with me it is definitely an art form yeah that's great I, I think that like I I don't necessarily have a specific Person, but kind of building on that, like, I mean, I I'm deeply interested in in people who um, are kind of at the intersection of art and social change, and like that can look lots and lots of different ways. I don't think it, 
should look any one way. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I think stand-up comedy, like comedy in general, I think is is such a subversive tool that like that need, needs to get more props for what it is. I think a lot of people like like to literally laugh it off, um, and there's plenty of place for that. But I think there's a lot of power in that stuff, and like, um, you know, anyone who's like anyone who's deeply interested in like baking art into the the beginning of things rather than like oh you should like have a mural to promote this one thing it's like no we should actually have artists embedded in um in this project from the very beginning so it has an artistic uh flavor to it rather than trying to like treat art as a nice to have it's a need to have um and there actually was one little thing i did want to share i don't know if any, any of you all have seen um in and of itself it's a Oh my gosh, you all would love this. So um, in and of itself, it's 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 by a guy named um, Derek Del, Delgadio. I'm not sure if I'm saying that guy's name right. It's on Hulu. Uh, but basically he's like, he's a, it's part one man show, part magic act, part whatever. I'm not doing it justice. It's going to sound weird. But um, the, the real, I mean, the, he's doing the kind of things that like I want to do in the sense that he's, he's doing magic, but the magic is not the trick. The magic is the fact that he is unlocking people's emotions and like the real magic of the trick is seeing people's human reaction come out to seeing something that they weren't expecting, um, something that's deeply emotional to them. So I don't want to be a magician, but I do want to figure out ways to unlock people's emotions and have them show their true selves. So I would definitely recommend that, that show. That's great. We can definitely link to that in the show notes. Um, it sounds interesting. As a wrap up, moving forward, what do you hope to further understand about the Enneagram and yourself and um, how you kind of want to take that forward from here? Diana, any thoughts on that? Uh, yes. Um, I think really what I want to do is be intentional about meeting other like people who identify as a type four because I think there's not really things I could say I want to change or do different because I don't know. I just, I'm growing and I'm learning and I definitely do keep that in the forefront as I make these changes, right? Kind of as we think about imposter syndrome. And so like, no, go for that job. Like you do that thing. You go to that thing you scheduled when you were feeling extroverted, do it. Like you can't do it. I, you know, so I think some of those things, but also meeting people who are also type fours is helpful because even in this conversation, I'm like, oh, this is great. People who think like me and dry hum humor and you don't really have to explain your jokes as much because you just, people just get it. And I think sometimes you need that, especially being so unique and different. So I think just having more opportunities to make intentional connection. That's great. Christy? Um, I think recently I've been thinking about time management as a four and knowing the tendency to withdraw, but then also knowing that I need time to like process my emotions and have alone time to create. Uh, I've just been like trying to discern, am I running away to run away or am I like going away to create something and knowing that like ideas can incubate and germinate in my mind, but that I can also get lost, lost in the sauce a little bit, just like in my imagination. Um, yeah, I've just been playing with that. And I would like to continue to develop that discernment of like, is this 
is this healthy or is this unhealthy? This, you know, time under a tree looking at the sky. <laughs> like, what's going to come of this? That's great. Aaron, you want to close this out? Oh, jeez. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think someone, someone said um, in this conversation talking about, like, compa compassion with the way that you talk to yourself or talk about yourself. Um, and I think that's having language around how fours are has been so clarifying and helpful for me that like um, being able to like literally be able to describe the things that I've felt but not been able to articulate and then uh, with that knowledge be able to be like okay that's a thing that people do not you you yourself are wrong and defective because you're doing this like no this is actually a way that a lot of people feel and a lot of people act um, and I know that like um, you know, it's like, and it's about finding that balance, right, between healthy four and unhealthy four. And, you know, in theory of the growth, right, the growth area is being a one where you're very pragmatic and very task oriented and like getting stuff done. Um, but like, also, I don't want to be a one, I want to be a four. <laughs> and I want to be happy with, with, um, you know, with who I am and what I'm doing and, and being compassionate with that. Um, and also being aware that not everybody else is that way. Um, and that's something that was a real frustration for me for most of my life, continues to be a frustration, but I'm working on it now where it's like, why aren't you, why don't you understand? Why, like, why are you communicating in this way? Why are you less sympathetic? Why are you yada, yada, yada? It's like, you know, everybody is, everybody is different, but in a, in a way that I hadn't quite had language around yet. So, um, it's been really, I'm really excited to continue to be a character be a study of human character uh with different language moving forward that's amazing a great place to kind of land this plane thank you so much to all three of you for for joining us here today diana christy and aaron uh, it's been great learning more about the enneagram four and and sharing those insights and selfishly you know as as my wing it was great to hear you all and listen listen to you speak uh, thank you to our listeners for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a review. If you're interested in learning more about the Enneagram or what Work Wisdom is up to, please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com or our Instagram, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press productions, ask questions, listen to our past episodes, and make suggestions on future topics you'd like us to explore. We're going to end our time here today with a quote from... Oscar Wilde, that is, art is individualism and individualism is a disturbing and disintegrating force. There lies its immense value for what it seeks is to disturb monotony of type, slavery of custom, tyranny of habit, and the reduction of man to the level of a machine. It seeks to show new perspectives and other choices. It is a way to help expand and liberate the consciousness, our experiences, understandings, imaginings, options, and thereby our lives. Thank you so much, everyone, and we hope to see you here next time. Mm -hmm.